On this episode of Resi Week, we talk 8K demos at NAB, showrooming highlighting the network, and does remote destroy culture. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 322, New Stories to Tell. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron. Welcome to this episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matthew Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Mr. Mitchell Klein. He is the executive director at the Z-Wave Alliance. How you doing, Mitch? Hey, it's great to be back again. Love being uh, on air with you and, of course, with Jeremy. And Glad to be here. Thank you for, for joining us. The Jeremy that Mitchell so fondly speaks of is our good friend, Mr. Jeremy Glowacki. He's the executive editor at Residential Tech Today, coming to us today, uh, not from a pool in I, which I was kind of hoping for, but he, he's on vacation and, and spending some time with us. So thank you so much for that. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's nice to have a view of the ocean while I'm on a podcast uh, as a guest. You're my one work-related uh, activity this week, so congratulations for, for getting me. Yeah, I know it's all Mitchell, but I'm touched. Well, you know, that was part of it. <laughs> I, I, I vowed to only be on podcasts with Mitchells. Uh, last month it was Mitchell the producer. This is yeah. Mitchell Klein, the famous Mitchell Klein. So good friend yeah. and favorite. Lifetime Achievement podcasters. Award winner. You know, we could go oh, yeah. through a list. Yeah, we, we don't need to. I'm like. just thrilled to be here with you guys. It's so much fun. So, <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from a residential systems. 8K demos have been planned for NAB, uh, the, the NAB show in Las Vegas in 2022. If you don't know what NAB is, that's the National Association of Broadcasters. So if you're a filmmaker, if you're a TV, like local TV news network if you are a film producer if you're a tv producer if you make shorts on like youtube at some point you will end up going to nab i used to love nab uh, i haven't been in a couple of years um, but it it is arguably my most enjoyable trade show uh, don't take anything personally against that cedia or or avixa but i love nab Ouch. um right now it just i'm an old film guy it's where i started so it's i love it it's cameras and lots and lots of cameras. Makes me happy. <sighs> All right. Um, this is, I don't want to say this is a, a huge deal, but I think it is a bigger deal than most people are realizing. Um, it's going to be uh, in the Futures Park of the West Hall. And they're, they're going to essentially demonstrate, the 8K Association is going to demonstrate the evolving maturity of the 8K ecosystem. So, Mitch, I want to I start with you on this. This is, to me, going to be a really big deal because there's 8K is not new. It's been around for a little bit. There are a few people filming in it, but it's not yet anywhere near the mainstream. What needs to happen for content creators? And I, I, I use that knowing that most people will think YouTube and TikTok when I say that, but it, it does cover the entire swath of the TV and film industry. What is it going to take for that industry to make that leap? And then what's the time frame on when that trickles down to us? 
Let me take my crystal ball on this one. Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to know, does this mean I'm going to have to buy another new TV again? Um, yes. yes, it does. I mean, I, I can really see why it's exciting for content creators. Uh, absolutely, I could see that. I mean, the ability to uh, customize your shots, you know, to zoom in on your shots, things that, I mean, I can see that as really significant ability to manipulate the images that you've, you've, you've created. In terms of viewing, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, how much more detail do we want on a network news broadcast or how much do we really need on a sporting event? I, I, I'm, I'm not sold on it on the viewer side and I'm definitely open-minded to hear it. But on the content side, wow, that's going to be awesome. And, and I think uh, once the tools are available, I, I see that being um, uh, a very, very positive uh, uh, progress, progressive technology for all of you filmmakers. I, I, I like it. And, and I'll say, I don't care about the local news, but I would be really happy if the referees and the umpires had some, <laughs> some 8K content to zoom in and go, yeah, that was actually last touched by yeah, UConn. Yeah, I don't, I don't Not know. Not that South that's Carolina. <laughs> that was touched by UConn. Come on. Um, and if you watch last night's game, you'll understand. I think body cams are what, what they need, but that that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole, yeah, we're not touching that one. <laughs> not at all. But thank you. Jeremy, the, Mitch brought up a really good point from the evolution of this, right? Even when 4K came out, uh, I, I deal personally, my company deals with a lot of house of worship, a lot of, a lot of churches, and we'll put in 4K systems to give us a wide shot in 4K that we down convert to 1080p and use the same shot to punch in and get another 1080p zoom shot. Mm. Out of one camera, we get two different angles. It's fantastic. That is going to be a big deal. But we also saw uh, through the Tokyo Olympics that they streamed 8K to uh, a couple of countries. In, they mentioned in the article um, 8K TVs in Brazil. We're seeing Samsung has them on the market. I believe Sony has them on the market. Are we going to sit back as an industry and really wait for content? Or are we going to kind of jump the gun again, the same way we did with 4K and just, hey, if you're an early adopter and you want it, we will sell this to you. Yeah, I don't doubt that's going to happen. There's <laughs> always people like that. And we're going to be at trade shows as the professionals who talk about this stuff and who, in your case, actually sell this stuff. And you're going to get so far ahead of the curve because you forget what is real and what is just trade show conversation, you know? I mean, I, I lost track at 4K when, you know, I'd have to talk to neighbors and friends who wanted to know more about the latest TVs, and mm -hmm. I would lose track of what was real and what was vaporware for me at a trade show. Trade show. You know, what was a demo model and what was widely available. Uh, I'd yeah. have to stop and go to a retail store like a, you know, Best Buy or something and see what are they actually selling. And of course, I'm the worst when it comes to investing in a new TV because I always feel like there's just one thing better that I need to wait for because <laughs> I've been through that curve so many times. And it, it took me a minute to get the 4K TV, and I'm, I don't regret it at all now, uh, although I, I've learned what I should have known better and missed out on in terms of uh, lighting array and things like that. But uh, mm -hmm. when you go bigger on a, on a screen, um, and we know like the, the micro LED and all that, the mini LEDs, all that stuff's going on, the, yeah. the, 
better the resolution, the better those big images are going to look. So, you know, in your commercial applications, there's going to be huge improvements there. Um, how big can you go in a house? Yeah. And it's got to be those really high end, high net worth walls of video that you're going to see that you really see the difference. But in a theater, I mean, how much more of a resolution can you get? You're actually probably going mm -hmm. to process that down to something more cinematic always to make it look like what it should be in a movie. The live TV, that's going to look amazing. Um, it's going to look like it's popping off the screen. And, <laughs> and you're right, it's like that that replay situation, that's going to be amazing because you're not going to have pixels when it goes down there. I think I can uh, trade up my 3D TV, maybe. No, no, you got you to gotta keep wearing the glasses and, and keep watching that, <laughs> yeah. that demo reel of Avatar again. <laughs> oh, I was I was actually at my dad's house um, last weekend, and he's got an older Panasonic that has the 3D in it, and for whatever reason, he keeps getting the pop up that it's like 3D is available. Click OK to start. It's like, should we do that? I'm like, no, 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 we should not. <laughs> Don't ever do that. I have a, a, a pair of Epson goggles that I've never opened that I should try to sell on the black market somewhere. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure someone will buy them for five dollars. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, jump into our next story of the day. This comes to us from a residential tech today. A new showroom reflects an integrator's belief in enterprise-grade technology. Uh, Sound and Vision um, out of Mooresville, North Carolina, has a 3,100-square-foot showroom where he's showing a ton of stuff, but, but focusing on uh, his network solution and showing how everything, essentially, that goes into that, that, that showroom and that is potentially going to be in a customer's home relies on 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 the network and and he's using this to really show all of the things that they do to encourage a strong network and the the part i love at the bottom or, or further down is he uh mark mentions that you know he will turn down projects where they will not put in a a proper um professional grade network solution and monitoring solution which i which i kind of love and also kind of disagree with but that's that's a topic for discussion jeremy is leading with the network going to become the new norm for the longest time integrators would lead with you know hey we build the best media rooms or we can can hide technology the the, the easiest and, and seamlessly and all this other jazz um DiPietro, he's leading with the network is that going to become the new norm well, I, uh, I talked to Mark last week for my podcast, actually, because I wanted to go a little bit beyond the story and learn more about his company. And uh, it, it, this is one of those stories that, uh, that you pick up on that uh, kind of has a, a PR attachment and you get a spin that's sort of from the manufacturer standpoint, just showing our cards a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think he always leads with networking necessarily. He's actually really into lighting fixtures, which is one of those categories you hear about and you wonder if people are actually doing it in the integration side. He's doing it for real and it's given him a, an entree with his, uh, his architects and his interior designer uh, partners that he didn't have before. They're not uh, winning all those jobs, but it's given him a new, uh, a new story to tell beyond entertainment technology. Mm -hmm. But I believe that because uh, the uh, reliability of the equipment that he sells is so based on the network, uh, the robust net nature of the network, that uh, it just is such um, an important ingredient that it always is part of that uh, conversation in the early stages with the client. 
Uh, to say that he rejects a client because they don't want that inter enterprise grade is probably a little bit of an exaggeration. I think he probably will take the business that he can get there and be happy with it. Um, but you know, it's a it's a really uh, important ingredient, and I think that he he re he really makes sure there's an emphasis there. I do think that he like a lot of good integrators they interview the client, they find out mm -hmm. what their interest level is, where they are going. That's where their conversation is going to start. It's going to be, are you looking at it as a theater? Uh, are you looking at it as uh, lighting control, shades control, lighting fixtures? Well, that's where it really starts. And at the backbone, the, the core backbone of the system has to be a good network. Yeah, I love it. And uh, I'll, I'll caveat it with, you know, if you're going to take on a job that has a subpar network or doesn't include monitoring, just get the sign off. It lets you charge more in the long run. It's perfect. Just get the sign off. Mitch, when you see this, one of the things that I find not surprising per se, but interesting is he just built out a new showroom. We, we keep hearing every two, three years that showrooming is dead. And yet you have everyone from the, the, the big box stores, they're rebuilding and rebranding most of their stores out into a more experience-based approach. Uh, we see see Mark and, and Sound Vision in this case building out a, a 3,200 square foot uh, showroom. Is are showrooms really the best? Like, I, obviously they they come in fades, but are they really the best way to bring somebody in who doesn't know what they're looking for? and get them on board and, and get them to where they want to be? Simple answer. No question about it. Uh, no, re really, I think it's, it's really important to give a potential client the experience, especially talking about networks or whatever other type of technology you want to talk about, lighting, what have you. If the uh, client has not experienced it before, it's a lot easier to paint the picture in your showroom mm -hmm. than it is to try and explain it on a website. Um, and by the way, I'm not dissing websites. You kind of need both. Yeah. You need to be able to address whatever means to expose your potential customers to the skills that your company provides. So yeah, showrooms, you know, you know, the only reality behind it is once you build it, you have to keep your eyes fresh looking at your showroom because mm -hmm. you get used to it and you know what parts start getting old things stop working the way they were or there's new products in so you have to really make a long-term commitment to keeping your showroom updated it's great day one by year three have you really you know focused on it and kept it current that's the hard part not building it but keeping it current yeah no, i know we've got a client and uh they own a, a, a fine men's store and they tell me they, they don't reno the store, right? And it doesn't get renoed every every year, but they move clothing. Uh, obviously, they sell clothing, but yeah. they, they move their feature clothing, which is a little bit more, yeah. you know, fast-paced than uh, tech technology even, but they move that every three months. They are re yeah, designing it's seasonal things like that. Everything, right? It's, it's so it's so fast. Well, you just even brought up the topic of we just talked about eight K, yeah. right? Sorry, no, no, just giving you this example. You talk about eight K, right? That that showroom's been built. Eight mm -hmm. K. Now, what are you going to do about that? 
how are you going to be able to show 8K to the extent that someone will see it and go, oh my God, I got to have that, as opposed to just swapping out a TV. So the, yeah. these are the kinds of things you really have to map out you know, long-term when you build a showroom. Yeah, that's a really good point that uh, doesn't get touched on enough. All right, let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro. Is remote and hybrid work destroying company culture? Uh, supposedly, a new study from MIT and WebEx by Cisco says that it actually improves company culture as well as feelings of inclusive inclusion and diversity within the workplace. Um, I'm going to question this just because for every single article that says this, I can find you another one that says the exact opposite. That being said, I do think it is a, it's an interesting conversation. Um, for this reason, I think people have lost just how to interact with people in person. My wife went out to a store the other day and up here, we just finally dropped the, the mask mandate up here. And it, it, it's, it's the complete, you know, separation, right? You have some people super, super happy because they don't have to wear masks anymore. You have a bunch of people who are wearing masks. This is not to get into a mask debate. Um, but I found the number of people that have been in stores yelling at other people, <laughs> not over masks, just in general. <laughs> All right, let, let's get back on topic before I go too far down. Mitch, when you see an article like this, I do feel that you can make the you you can challenge this or accept it either or right you can say that by being remote it is leveling the playing field per se you can also say that being remote makes it really challenging for that uh you know cup young couple or or single couple who has a one bedroom in new york and both people are trying to work remote from the same stinking kitchen table there, there's a lot of challenges with this. How do we as, and you specifically as somebody from a fairly big corp, how do you go about trying to manage how your employees come to work? Yeah, that that's actually, that's a tough question. But first, you know, just for reference, we're a global organization. We've got uh, offices all around the world and, and having to force everyone to do Zoom type and remote work actually was a phenomenal opportunity for everybody to get to know everybody and flatten the management uh, structure. Mm -hmm. So it, the overall, as much as it was frustrating, the overall experience was phenomenal. And I think that that first part of that study is right on. It really helped to grow corporate culture. The downside to that is, okay, now that people start coming back to work, uh, our company has offered up uh, a flex opportunity where each individual uh, site can determine, you know, what does a flex mean? You know, some sites say you got to come in twice a week, some say three times a week, others permit, you know, a full-time offsite. Uh, and sites will typically say, okay, on say every Thursday, everyone comes in. So you have this, you know, uh, kumbaya moment, if you will. Uh, but I am very confident that within the next year or so, people who are on this flex program, who've given up their desks, are going to start feeling left out. That whole FOMO thing you hear about, there's no question in my mind when, when they do the happy hour or they bring the lunch in or they have the guest speaker, 
being remote in is definitely going to detract away from the closeness and the camaraderie. It's not going to help it. That's a real good point, Mitchell. Uh, Jeremy, if we kind of preclude the last, you know, two years, there's always been those companies where there's one random team member who's in Idaho and the rest of the team is down in Albuquerque. And it's, you know, they're a part of the team. They're helping out a ton, but yeah, they get zoomed in when they're doing an all hands meeting and they're kind of there and they're kind of a part of it, but they're up on the screen by themselves and it's weird, but they also miss out on, you know, when donuts come in or when the team decides to go out for lunch uh, or to the pub afterwards and do all the little team building things that half the time are unplanned and, and more successful than the planned team building. But is there a way that the, the AV community can help employers and employees try to try to shorten, shrink that gap um, when it's not so, you know, pandemic necessary, right? One, as we're coming out of this, is there a way that we can come in and, and kind of do an after action report and then try to help, again, the all, all aspects of, of the people involved in this, utilize remote better? Yeah, it's. I was starting to uh, laugh a little bit as you're describing that per that one random person because I was that random person for a while it's with you. my company. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I worked in a New York office for many years, and they, when technology got to a point where I could move back to my hometown, I moved back, and what what wasn't really in the cards then was the video conferencing yet, and Zoom mm -hmm. wasn't really a thing. Um, it kind of developed over time, but. At that point, it was more of like a Slack community thing, where or or uh, some kind of a um, I don't know, like a instant message kind of situation, and that became the new water cooler for me temporarily. So then technology evolves, and Slack channels still exist with companies, and it's still a very good communication tool um, to have real time conversations just typed in. Um, but I think when we, we were considering doing a follow up to the Crestron acquisition of One Beyond, and uh, mm -hmm. We've got uh, Henry Clifford's doing a review for us this week on the Vadio IntelliShot auto tracking camera. And these kind of technologies that sort of track people in the room so you can get up and move around and or you can have multiple people, um, you know, from the standpoint of that person watching a room full of their colleagues and their remote when they speak, the camera will adjust and zoom in on that person so you can have a more interesting um, dynamic experience from a video conferencing mm -hmm. standpoint. You're never going to get that full cultural experience. That was a thing that yeah. I very much fully realized I was missing out on when Christmas rolled around and you had a holiday party and <laughs> everybody's bringing in something. And it's, it's like the, the cheap, cheap version of a holiday party where it's a, uh, what do you call it when you bring, everybody brings something. It's a, uh, oh, like a secret Santa or something? No, like food. Like, uh, oh, like a potluck. Potluck. Yes. Yeah. And in a way I was like, thank God I don't have to bring something to the <laughs> potluck. That seems like, why can't the company fork over a restaurant bill or something, you know, go out to eat. But, um, but then there was just like a fun thing. You hear, oh yeah, this guy, you know, they, they really love their chili and they're going to bring their chili and, you did feel mm -hmm. that FOMO, and it was uh, unfortunate. So it's hard to really mimic the culture. Um, but I think because so many of us have 
now been in this remote situation, it's, it's maybe a different expectation of what that culture needs to be. Um, and, and as long as you're able to connect and see your colleagues and have a regularly scheduled visual um, representation of who you're working with, you don't feel completely isolated mm-hmm. and out of it. Um, and and it, it, it's, it's a very, oddly, the, the idea of Zoom, which seems like kind of cold and distant, there's a intimacy to it too. I mean, you're, in, you're mm-hmm. inviting someone into your space if it's your home or whatever. And yeah, it can be awkward if you're in a single room apartment and you're sharing space. Uh, but I can now interview people that are fairly famous and I am almost one-on-one in their space. Like it's a really weird yeah. intimacy that didn't exist before. Um, you know, we do a phone call and it's not the same. Uh, in the old days, now now you're right there. So there, there's something to be said for the video conferencing, even though we've all kind of gotten burned out by it. You know, I think we've also come to realize that it's in, on our own terms. You can be there and kind of crop your world and show them this is my hotel room yeah. or my condo at the beach. You know, and you can see what you need to see, but not the the bathing suits hanging off the chair and the out of the frame, you know, that type of thing. Well, and, and I think that's always the interesting side because, you know, even even in my household, I'm doing this show from my house, from my basement office, which is also a studio. My wife will do a conference call or a, a video conference from, like, the kitchen with kids in the background screaming. And I'm like, honey, you can you can use my office. And she's like, nah, it's fine. I'm like, oh, okay. There is there's another piece we didn't talk about, which you see more on the corporate side, uh, which is out of sight, out of mind. So you're not at the office, so you're missing the head in the door uh, conversations that are not always social. Sometimes they're really business related. And you know what? Your ideas aren't aren't getting there and your opportunities to contribute are not always there. And there's promotion opportunities where you may well, it may be better to have someone who's kind of here in the office a little bit more. These will be the unspoken things. These are the things that companies will not own up to, but that's the reality. And, you know, as much as the social piece is critical, I think, in the culture, so is being involved. And you're going to miss opportunities to be involved when you're not actually in the office. Oh, so. that, that's a huge one. I, that's amazing. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the biggest point yeah. is... And that's why I think people will be going back to the office. Yeah, yeah. you you want to be able exactly. to pop your head in and, you know, knock on the door and be like, hey, boss, I got a quick question for you, even if it just means you're getting seen. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's wrap it there because I have somebody's door to go knock on. Um, <laughs> Mitch, if people want to connect with you, learn more about the Z-Wave Alliance, where can they do that? You can reach out to me, Mitch, at zwavealliance.org or just go to www.zwavealliance.org and you can always tweet at or to me, Mitchell underscore Klein. Excellent. Jeremy, my friend, if people want to connect with you next week when you're home from vacation uh, or learn more about residential tech today, where can they do that? Our website's restechtoday.com. Uh, please subscribe to the magazine. We've got a digital version and a print and, uh, and subscribe to our web, uh, our uh, podcast as well. Uh, Residential Tech Talks are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you can find it on the website as well. And to find me on LinkedIn, probably the best way. And uh, 
Um, great to connect with anyone out there that's got a good story to tell. Excellent. Thank you both again for joining us. Thank you for, for joining us as well. If you'd like to connect with me online, uh, you can do it at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.